Today's episode of the Sports Talk Garage podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing you with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get paid when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. Now, let's get the episode started. Welcome to the Sports Talk Garage podcast, where we discuss and debate the latest news and hot takes from the court in the ball fields to the locker room and front office. We are four lifelong friends who grew up with a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those oversized contracts, game-winning scores, and franchise players. This is the Sports Talk Garage. All right. Hello and welcome to season three, episode 21 here of the Sports Talk Garage podcast. I am your host, Mike, along with David here tonight. John and Matt are unfortunately not going to be with us this week, but uh, David and I will do our best to hold it down on their behalf. Uh, David, you want to Give us a little bit of contact information for the podcast. I'd love to. You can keep up with us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garage Pod. Check out our website, sportstalkgarage.com. Send us an email if you like, feedback at sportstalkgarage.com. Or if you want to call, leave a voicemail. We can put your information or question on the show. Uh, phone number is 704 612 Excellent. How are you doing this week, David? You know what? I'm quite well. Work is slowing down. It was a restful weekend, not doing a whole lot around here. Nice to have a three-day weekend off, so things are pretty good. Fall semester, actually spring semester, I guess, is about to start, so I'm ready to get things going back at work. I, I hear you, and I, 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 it's kind of funny you say fall semester. <laughs> it's it, it. I think a lot of us have lost track of what time it mm-hmm. is, what month it is, everything's all goofed up, especially you and I working in um, college world, um, you know, having fall sports, some schools playing those in the spring, it's it's kind of confusing as to where we're at or what we're doing. But because uh, I know for my school, we're about to start a start to the, the cross country season, which normally is starts in August and finishes up in November. We're going to start that here in about a week <laughs> and a half. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those years. Yes, but... it is still going on 2020. It's a little extended. Break. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're going to go ahead and drop the green flag here. Our first topic tonight, one of the biggest trades in recent memory um, in the NBA, the James Harden trade. Mm. Uh, it was, speculated on for I don't know how long but it finally finally happened James Harden has a new home in Brooklyn where he's now part of I guess I don't know which how many super teams there are the third fourth one but uh, Brooklyn Brooklyn has their their trifecta of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and and James Harden so David why don't you just kind of break it down Brooklyn gave up a, a fair bit to get James Harden, didn't they? 
Yeah, there was a lot going out of Brooklyn. And this ended up being a four-team trade just because of, I imagine, picks and also salaries had to be exchanged since James Harden had such a large contract. Cleveland Cavaliers got in, got Jared Allen, which is a bright piece for them moving forward, and also Doreen Prince. So two guys coming in there. Uh, Pacers got Lavert and a second-round pick. And as everyone's the Nets, picked up James Harden and a second-round pick about the Rockets. They kind of want the lottery here in terms of, you know, you have a player who's a superstar who wants to leave. He's not happy. And they maximized his value with Victor Oladipo, who is a very good shooting guard, small forward, Dante Exum, Kirkus, four first-round picks, three from Brooklyn and one from Milwaukee, which was from a previous trade, and four first-round pick swaps. All picks as well are unprotected. So they will have their own picks plus four other first and the ability to switch. It feels like they're the new Oklahoma City piling up stock picks right here. <laughs> yes. So I think the Rockets have a a lot of assets to either keep and draft or trade for some other superstars. They have a lot of flexibility going True. forward. Yeah, yeah. Having having that many picks, it, it's it's hard to know how it's all going to turn out because obviously, you know, who knows who they're going to end up picking and what, what those, those assets are really going to turn into. So I guess in a lot of ways, it's, it's easy for people to say that the Nets won this trade because they got an MVP caliber player and they, they really didn't have to give up much of their, their current roster. Um, But, you know, you sometimes hear people bring up, uh, was it the the Ricky Williams trade a long mm-hmm. time ago with the where New Orleans basically traded their whole draft to get him? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you do that and you do get a good player out of it, but then do you set your franchise back for a few years down the road? Because it's it frankly, it's gonna be a while before the Nets have picks in the first round in consecutive years. I mean, it's it's really it's gonna be a long time and, he, and with those pick swaps, they may not have a good pick an actual lottery pick for quite a while yeah i would imagine all three of these guys will either be way past their prime or even not on the team or in the league by the time the nets are at least back in the top 15 top half of the first round yeah so yeah nets have this new big three and on paper mega stats and it looks wonderful I'm curious how mm-hmm. they're going to coexist. Yeah, it's been a wonderful start for the Purse, two or three games. They've only had two of them with Irving out. Right. But these are three guys who tend to all need the ball. They're not the best moving around without the ball. They all want to score. So learning to set aside an ego, somebody's going to have to be the alpha male one night and somebody else may be a different night, but they're going to have to – develop roles with this they all can't be the guy every single night right. wanting to score 30 plus points yeah I, it's it's definitely going to be a transition um I, I remember back when when lebron and bosh came down to miami it, it's it's it takes some time that that first year they were good they were a good team but they didn't win the title and there was there was the kind of the growing pains if you will because it's it, it is hard I think it, obviously none of us being a level elite athletes don't really understand the mentality that these guys have. And James Harden is used to going out every night for the last, I mean, decade basically. And knowing that he's the guy. Yeah. 
and now I don't I don't know that he's the guy anymore. I I, I personally I think that if that team's going to compete for a title, I think Kevin Durant's going to need to be the guy, and James Harden is going to need to to play second fiddle to him, and Kyrie is going to need to just basically be a facilitator if they want to be the best that they can be with the assets that they each have. Um, but that's, that's a difficult ask of those guys. So it's, you know, it, it a lot of it's going to depend on frankly, just personalities. They need yeah. to, they need to be able to, to gel together, to be able to share the ball and to be able to share the spotlight. Because if, if they don't gel together and they don't really play for each other, you know, that phrase that coaches use all the time when, if they don't do that, then this might all be for naught, you know? Certainly. And I do think an asset they have is their coach. Granted, he's a rookie, Steve Nash. I know Kyrie Irving has not been high on him since he wasn't consulted on this, but you don't always have to consult your player as the GM. Mm -hmm. However, Steve Nash played with a lot of big personalities in his day. He won two MVPs. Granted, he didn't win a championship, but he played on some really good teams and he learned how to develop his game and kind of hone his craft to fit what helped other people score, get assists, give mm-hmm. other guys plays. So hopefully he can impart mm-hmm. some of that wisdom and they'd be willing to listen. I know all three of them are excellent at what they do. Hopefully they're still going to be coachable enough to be, well, if I can just change this one aspect of my game to help the other guy or help, you know, the, yep. the third guy coming off the bench for the night cause we need him as well. It's not just the three of us carrying a team. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they how they get this going. And you know, like you said, Kyrie hasn't played the first two games. Durant and Harden playing together has worked pretty well. They both they put up very good, pretty, pretty <laughs> disgusting numbers. <laughs> I mean, if they can, if Harden's averaging thirteen assists and nine rebounds, which would be far and away career highs in both of those categories, I don't think he'll keep those numbers up. But if he if he's in double digits in assists. And they're they're going to be in good shape. Definitely. All right. So, moving on from professional basketball and on to the ranks of collegiate basketball, we are coming up on March here in uh, about six weeks, and March Madness is, Lord willing, going to return this year after we missed out on it last year, but. It's going to look a little different. Um, we've we've known for a little while now that they're going to hold the entire tournament in basically in Indianapolis in the surrounding area, but we now have some more details on the formatting that's going to be a little different. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this? What is this <laughs> S curve and how how is this all going to work? Definitely so. In a normal world, you have your four regions, and teams are generally put into a region somewhat in close proximity to where they're located, because obviously you want fans to attend. It's going to help ticket sales and concessions and parking, but you want your fans to be able to attend and also try to reduce team travel as much as possible. However, things are quite different this year. Everybody's going to be playing in the same area. I don't really know if fans will be allowed. And if so, it's probably going to be very limited compared to a normal full capacity gym Mm -hmm. that we would see. So there's not necessarily the need to have teams grouped in a similar geographic region. So team A from the East Coast could be playing team B from the West Coast in the round one. 
they might not see each other. So that's a little exciting to have teams that generally may not be matched up, possibly come together in a sense. But with that, they have to think of a new way to kind of rank each team. And it may, that makes sense where it's still fair to their record for the year. So they came up with this S curve. So essentially the overall top four teams will be teams one through four and go all the way down. So once you get to the overall eight seed, that's going to kind of go back up. So it's going to keep repeating itself. One, 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 two, 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 three, 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 and just essentially go by record, you know, probably strength of schedule or so. But at the same time, they have to take into account a few things just to make games a little more fun. So there's five areas where there's some exceptions. Top four teams can't meet from a conference, need to be in different regions. Teams from the same conference can't meet again in the regional final if they play each other three or more times during the regular season. I don't think that's going to be very likely to happen just with yeah. so many games being canceled. Teams from the same conference cannot meet before the regional semifinals if they play each other twice in the season. Teams from the same conference may not play each other early in the second round if they play more than once. And if possible, no rematches of non-conference regular season games should be avoided in the first round. So ideally, since a lot of schools or I guess conferences have elected to go conference only or mainly conference games, they want to try to eliminate more conference games as much as possible in this tournament. So you're going to see teams playing other conferences, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. Fans will like it. See, I agree. You've seen the same guys who you see every year play twice a year, a home and away. So you're going to get some new faces on the floor, a new coach, new system to watch. So I'm in favor of this. I think it's very smart and it's probably the most equitable way to rank teams based solely on record and strength of schedule from the season. I agree. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's, it's something that will probably be a one-off because the tournament hopefully by 2022, can go back to its normal uh, format and, and be spread out around the country. And then all of those factors need to be brought back in with geography and travel and, and such. But I, you know, I, I think oftentimes we criticize the NCA for decisions that they make, but this, I think, is a, a good decision to help um, improve the quality, kind of take advantage of this weird circumstance to be able to, to improve the quality of the tournament and help um, more evenly spread out the teams so that you, you get, you don't end up with, you know, one bracket or one region that's that's the region of death, if you will, and the, the some of these other regions that end up be feeling like kind of a cakewalk that we seem to have from time to time. This should hopefully eliminate that and and give us better basketball. That's really that's what it's all about. Yeah, granted, once we're back on a normal four geographic regions, this wouldn't be easy to implement. But I love this idea, and hopefully, the NCAA can maybe learn something from this and take it and apply it to future tournaments. Sure. Maybe improve, you know, the product for the fan moving forward. Yeah. We shall see. With that, we are going to drop the yellow flag, take a little break for our sponsors, and we will be back here in just a minute. Support for the Sports Talk Garage is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's grooming. Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good. 
Everyone knows Manscaped has a perfect package 3.0 for all your grooming needs, but they didn't stop there. Complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne scent. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this is light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. Calming and inviting, this signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the angry notes of a woodsy, masculine finish. The 50ml spray bottle is even hypoallergenic, cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and 100% vegan. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code PODCAST20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code PODCAST20. Look good. Smell good, feel good. And welcome back to the Sports Talk Garage podcast. Mike and David here uh, talked a little bit of basketball in the first half of our show. Now it's time to switch gears and talk some football. We are in the middle of the NFL playoffs. Um, We will get to the games that are coming up here in the conference championship But before we talk about that, we want to talk about the situation in Houston where Deshaun Watson is, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, disgruntled. And he has made it pretty clear that he would like to find a different team to play for. Um, He's upset for a number of different reasons. Um, but the question at hand, he's a pro bowl caliber quarterback and he's got, I think, what is it? Three years left on his, his current deal. Uh, is it, is it three? He has one year left on his rookie contract and then his oh. four year deal actually kicks in. Okay. So, so, so five years down for a total. while. Yes. So, and he's got a no trade clause. Yes, he does. So the question is, what should Houston do? Should they try to mend fences with him and, and keep him? Or should they, you know, bite the bullet and uh, I guess to refer back to James Harden, do what Houston finally got around to doing and find a trade partner? Yeah, that no trade clause certainly works in Watson's favor. At the moment, he is very unhappy with ownership with the front office the team's performance has not been up to par to what he expects and he's put up wonderful numbers over the past few seasons to show that he's deserving of that pro bowl honor that he's received a few times yeah he's locked into this four-year 156 million dollar contract that is a lot of money that somebody's going to pay him over the next four years once he finishes out that fifth year on the rookie scale so i say yes they should trade him it's Easy to say you want to bend fences, but I think so much has happened that has offended him that he's ready to just go ahead and get out, move on, and kind of start fresh with a new team. The problem is he gets to really dictate to them where he wants to go with that no-trade clause. Ideally, if you're the Texans, you want to ship him over to the NFC so you're not playing him as often, the chance of that. But the AFC has a few teams. Uh, the Jets, Patriots, and Dolphins, I think, could all be possibly in the mix. If you're looking at the NFC, mm-hmm. the Panthers and the 49ers are two teams that I've heard that can also be in the mix for him. But he's he's good. So ideally, yes, but they have to do it to a team that he's willing to go for. 
Well, at the same time, they have to be willing to trade him and get picks, players, whatever else they could possibly think of thrown in that they think would be equal value for the talent that they are losing. So if I'm the Texans, I'm trying to trade him, but you got to work with him somewhat. You can't just ship him off because he has final say on whether or not he's wearing a Texans uniform or if he's wearing another team's uniform next year. True. Yeah, I'm I, I I'm torn on this one. I I, I agree to an extent, um, because there's really I think there's really no point in holding on to a player who doesn't want to be there. That's not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think the situation is fixable, and I think if I'm running the Houston Texans, if I'm the owner, what I would do is I would do whatever I have to do when the season ends, whenever the Chiefs season ends, and I would get Eric Bieniemy as my new head coach. Because, number one, take Deshaun Watson out of the picture. That dude needs to be a head coach. Yes, he does. He should like, have been already. The fact <laughs> that he is not a head coach is – it's criminal. Like mm-hmm. – I'm not going to name names, but there are guys that are head coaches that should not be. And the fact that he's still coordinating an offense is ridiculous to me. Completely agree with that. But when you couple that with the fact that Deshaun Watson has publicly said, I would love to play for this guy. I want this guy to be my head coach. I want this franchise to hire him as our next head coach. It feels it feels too easy. Just do it. Just he, he's very qualified. Everything that I've read about him, everything that's ever been said about him says that this guy at least deserves a shot. He's not guaranteed to be a Super Bowl winning coach, but he has all of the assets that you want in a head coach. And if Deshaun Watson wants to play for him, hire him, give him a chance and see what happens. Because if Deshaun Watson has a head coach that he wants to play for and that he can, you know, can, they can build the offense around him and he can, you know, hopefully have a little bit more say like a lot of the, the older quarterbacks seem to get in the league now where it's uh-huh. they're they're a player, but they also have a say in personnel and they have a say in a lot of things. If he can become that kind of player for them and be enemy can prove to be a good head coach, then that's a pretty good combination that, a lot of teams wouldn't have. Um, and I, I, you know, sometimes I find myself thinking that the quarterback position is overrated, but there's other times where you look around and it, it's, it is truly the most important position in probably all of sports. And you look at the list of, of quarterbacks that are in the league. He's definitely in the upper half, mm-hmm. even even if he's not having a great year. He's potentially – he's probably one of the top six or seven quarterbacks. And we've seen over the years that it's hard to find good starting quarterbacks, and especially guys that can do it year in and year out. And if you give up on him, you know, yes, you can get some picks, but who knows if they're going to turn out to be – Pro Bowl level quarterbacks that it's such a hard thing to find that I just feel like 
if they can if they can get the coaching situation sorted out and if that truly is really the thing that will satisfy him i think that's the better route to take yeah i i think that would be a good or i still think he will end up being traded but i agree if there's a coach you have publicly said you want to play for and he's hired i think that's going to energize you a little bit plus he's only 26 this past weekend we saw yeah. Two guys in their 40s playing quarterback at an elite level. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, Aaron Rodgers is almost 40. He's knocking on the door, so we'll throw him in there in that almost 40 yeah, club. He's pretty close, yeah. And he's only 26. He could easily have another 15 years left, and he's still going to get better. He's only been in the yeah. league for four years. So if they can find a way to mend fences, I think that would be the best for them. They have really good pieces around him. I just yeah. – I think the damage has already been done. Granted, what they're going to get back with probably a lot of picks. I'm sure they'll get a quarterback back, but it's just going to be, you know, a stopgap until they can draft somebody unless the Dolphins send Tua over. I don't know if Tua is going to get to the same level as Deshaun Watson, but he's promising at least. Some of the other people that I've seen are more just holdovers for a year or two until you draft somebody this year or next, and that new guy is going to be your franchise quarterback. But I agree. The quarterback position is highly paid, but they command the entire team. It's You have to have a quarterback in the NFL to win. Without a solid quarterback, you can still have a good team, but the chances actually going on a deep playoff run are very slim. And he's one yeah. of those guys who I think has the ability, the tangibles, the X factor to take his team to a deep run going forward. Um, yeah, I would love if he stays because I think the city loves him, obviously, and his teammates do, but mm-hmm. I just don't see him there long term. Yeah, yeah, to your point about uh, needing a good quarterback, there, there, uh, there's four teams left in the playoffs, and the top three quarterbacks by total QBR are still in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Three, three of the four. And if that doesn't illustrate that you need to have a good quarterback the, the one that's not is Tom Brady so that's funny you know quarterback quarterback is a is an important position so moving on to the conference championship games we've got in the AFC we've got the Bills traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs and in the NFC we've got the I, I've heard this a million times the Battle of the Bays Tampa Bay and Green Bay, and I don't know. Let's let's talk about the AFC first. The AFC, I think, is I don't know. It's hard to say what's more exciting. That both of these are good matchups. Um, the AFC, we got the matchup of the two young quarterbacks, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, and uh, you know when we when we talked about this, we talked about our our predictions. I'm pretty sure all of us mm-hmm. had Buffalo. Yeah going at least this far. So our faith in Josh Allen was justified. The question now is, well, I guess number one, is Patrick Mahomes going to play? And number two, does the Josh Allen magic and that Bill's defense, is it going to be enough to carry them past the Chiefs into the Super Bowl? This is a fun one. And I hope Mahomes is able to play because I'd like to see the full matchup on display. If he doesn't play in the Bills win, we're going to hear all the excuses. Well, if Mahomes played, it would have mm-hmm. been different. So 
I hope he plays and it's mm-hmm. a good game. The Chiefs, I believe, have a better run game. Passing game just mm-hmm. by a little bit and a better coach. But the Bills have better defense, better special teams. I think they have that X factor. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs have been the top combo quarterback wide receiver this year. They can just somehow make plays happen when it doesn't seem there's something available. And Josh Allen is this new young guy who he just kind of came out of nowhere and he's doing amazing things every single week. And I believe you said a few weeks ago that Kansas city has just kind of been gliding by. They do just enough every week. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're never spectacular consistently, but they're just enough to win a game. They kind of play to the level of their opponent a little bit and, it's like that switch that has to be flipped. I think that's going to come back to haunt them at some point. This is going to be a close game. Um, Kansas City is only a three-point favorite at home, so there's not a whole lot there. Buffalo is riding high. Buffalo fans are crazy. I've seen a few videos from this previous <laughs> post-game celebration where I can't imagine how some of them wake up the next day without being in complete pain from all the tables that are being smashed. But I think the Bills are going to take this one. Um, 31-24 is going to be my prediction here. Bills are going to make it back to the Super Bowl for the first time since the early 90s. If Mahomes plays, that's okay. If he doesn't play, I think the Chiefs will also have a little more motivation, but that's a serious downgrade when you go from Patrick Mahomes to whoever is going to be behind him, even with all the other weapons they have. Yeah. So I'm still going to stick with my Bills, even though not my Bills, my Bills have a I did predict them, so I'll say my yeah. prediction of the Bills in this game. Okay. I um, I really want to agree and pick the Bills, but uh, I'm, I'm just having a hard time, especially I, I think I'm not going to go so far as to say that Chad Henney is – a great quarterback. <laughs> Please don't. But <laughs> but the the way that that they were able to basically survive the last ten minutes or whatever it was of, of the last game against Cleveland, um, where it felt like all the momentum was on Cleveland's side, and it and it just kind of felt like they were going to um, to complete the comeback and. Chad Henney on that what was it third and third and twelve or third and fifteen guy who <laughs> never been known for running in his life got that first down and just just did just enough <laughs> he, he got the first down or he he almost got the first down and then then got the first down on the fourth and inches but I I mean yeah I, I think I think the fact that the game is in Kansas City. And that the Chiefs, I don't know how many fans they've been allowing in, but it feels like it's it a lot. It feels like it, when you when you see that them play on TV at home, it feels like they have a legitimate home field advantage. Um, and you know they they just they have a lot of weapons. Their their defense is not as good as Buffalo's, but it it's still it's a quality defense, and they're they're the kind of defense that they give up yards, but they can make the big play when they need to. They can get the, the interception or the sack or the fumble, but just the big play to kill a drive. So I'm, I'm going Kansas city in this one. I think it's going to be pretty cold. And I feel like cold games don't 
lend themselves to scoring. So I'm going to say this is going to be 14 to wow, 13. That's really low for these electric offenses. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I just, I, I, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to throw a cold football. It's hard, it's hard <laughs> to do anything yeah, when it it's cold. Um, I mean, I know at least at least these are two teams that are used to being in the cold Buffalo. <laughs> it's not going to phase them, unlike the other matchup that we have. But yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good game. And and I think you know normally I'm not one to watch games when my team isn't involved, but I I'm going to watch this game because I I think it, especially if Mahomes plays, seeing Allen against Mahomes, I think it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, this could be one of the new faces of the AFC if the Bills are able to win. Josh Allen could at True. least take over True. maybe take over from Lamar Jackson to be number two in the AFC in terms of quarterbacks. So he could be. See, yeah, it's, it's gonna be exciting. Now before okay. we move on, I I just I just want to bring up when we at the end of twenty twenty we talked about our we did a list mm. episode where we talked about our, our yes. favorite things or our you know think one of the things we talked about in that episode was a rule that we would change. Yeah. And I said that I would change the, the touchback on a fumble out of your own end zone rule. <laughs> now, if you're a Cleveland Browns <laughs> fan, you know why I'm bringing that up. Because if that rule didn't exist, there's a decent chance that that game last week Very has a different outcome. Is. That's because that 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 number one that changed the momentum because that's it's it's the (laughs) most depressing thing you can have happen to a drive. And number two, let's just assume that they would have scored a touchdown eventually on that drive, add seven points to the score, and the outcome is completely different. So I hate that rule. I, and not because I wanted Cleveland to beat Kansas City. I just, it just You're seems right. so unfair. And anytime that happens, even in the game, if I would just watch highlights of it, I'm like, oh, that really stinks. Even if I'm not a fan of the team, I'm like, oh, man, why? So I agree with that. It's, it's, it's a depressing it, it, rule. And yeah, momentum certainly shifts. And you can feel it from the fans who just get quiet, the players, their body language changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bad rule. I agree. Yeah, and kick it out. Get rid of that rule somehow. <laughs> it's not welcome here. <laughs> one day, one Hopefully. day, well, Hopefully day. so. <laughs> All right. So our second conference championship, the NFC championship game, we've got Tampa Bay making their first playoff run in almost two decades, going up to Green Bay and having to play the vaunted Packers in Lambeau where I believe the forecast is like 20-something degrees with a Mm -hmm. decent chance of snow. And you've got Tampa Bay, who is a franchise that's not not great in the cold. Um, I I grew up in Tampa, and I I know we had two statistics that we always had beaten down our throats every time we'd watch Bucks games when I was younger – one was that it took us like 1,800 kickoffs before we ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. <laughs> it was like, it was literally, it took like 20 something years. That's horrible. And two, two was 
we we could not win a game where the kickoff temperature was I think it was below 40 was the the cutoff I don't think we won a game below 40 until it was around 2000 maybe it was 2002 the year that, that they won the Super Bowl it was it and they there's a franchise that started I think in 76 wow. it was and it was it's it's rough you know you you get used to playing in in temperate climate and then you got to go play uh-huh. you know football games are three hours in the cold, there's only so much that those those thick jackets and the space heaters Especially can do. Especially when half the guys don't even wear sleeves so, on the field. Yeah. Exactly. So, my question to you, David. Will they be able to pull it out this week? So, Green Bay at home in the cold is as natural as can be. They don't feel it. It's just It's just life for them. And it doesn't phase them. Their style of play doesn't change. Most teams become more of a running team than passing. And they can do that. They have a great running back. But at the mm-hmm. same time, somehow Aaron Rodgers can still throw a football no matter what the weather conditions are. And it hits his receiver. And Devontae Adams is one of the best in the league. I have a feeling Devontae Adams will probably have at least 100 yards, a touchdown. I think that's just a given for him. But then you have the Bucks coming up who are used to nice 60 to 90 degrees during the season. They haven't seen snow unless they've been on a road game somewhere. Granted, they have two guys who have played in this weather with Tom Brady, who I mean, this is what he did for 20 years in New England, and Gronk, who, while not as big a part of the offense, mm-hmm. is still vital to blocking in the occasional catch for a big down. But most of the guys, they're going to feel it. So the first half of the game may not be bad, but I think after a while that cold is kind of going to settle in and it's going to start impacting them. And the hits are going to get a little bit harder in the second half when you're really feeling that cold. There's probably going to be a couple fumbles that they're not used to. So Brady can only do so much, though. It's up to the other guys to do their part. I think that's really going to lend itself to Green Bay. Green Bay is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. So it's close. Granted, they're two really good teams. I also think this will be a very close game, closer than the other. I think Green Bay's going to take this only because of home field advantage. Um, both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady get all the calls from the refs, so I think that will somehow negate it, each other out. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just going to come down to who executes just a handful of plays a little bit. There's going to be a few game-changing plays, a big explosive play that goes for 30 yards for one team or – Somebody fumbles, the other team picks it up and runs it mm-hmm. back for a while. That's what it's going to come down to. I want to say 30-27, Green Bay. They're going to win by a field goal at the end. All right. What you got well, for your hometown bucks? This, uh, this <laughs> you know, when the playoffs started, just being honest, I did not want to play Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Green Bay scares me. Um, Aaron Rodgers is just, uh, you know, Drew Brees is a good quarterback, and Tom Brady is a good quarterback, and Patrick Mahomes might be the best quarterback in the league. But Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the guy that I don't want to be facing. Um, however, watching the game last week against New Orleans – I could not help but think that the defense 
is looking and feeling and playing like the old Monty Kiffin defenses mm-hmm. and the Tony Dungy defenses that we had back in the day where, I mean, if you watch that game, Tom Brady was okay. He wasn't, wasn't great. The offense really kind of sputtered throughout a lot of the game. They won that game because of mm-hmm. the Devin White interception and the Devin White fumble recovery. And, you know, they, they picked Breeze off, I think, three times. And Tom Brady, even though he, his completion percentage was somewhere around 50, it was not great, didn't turn the ball over. And it, it I mean, as weird as it is, it reminded me of back when, when the Bucks had Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson as their quarterbacks, where it was just, just don't screw it up and let the defense win the game. So seeing, you know, because I feel like it's hard to know because Devin White and, and Levante David and a lot of these guys haven't really played a lot in the playoffs. And so we don't know what we're getting because they, they just haven't had that opportunity. And what I saw last week, really, it was – it was inspiring to see the way that they played and the way that they elevated their game. So I'm sure that part of this is the heart over the head, but I think between Tom Brady and having his experience in the cold and, and his calmness that will be out there on the field, the entire game, really, even, even on defense, he's, Uh he's always talking to people. He's always, you know, the team leader. Um, between that and just the the way that the defense has been playing, I think I think that they can pull it out. Um, I, I'm not going to guarantee a win, but to me, I I see I see a game similar to the way the New Orleans game was, where it's gonna it's gonna be a back and forth, you know, even evenly split from for probably three quarters, and then. Fourth quarter, it's going to come down to a couple big plays, and to me, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Tampa Bay with the upset, and I'm going to go twenty-one eighteen. Okay, so we got the cold weather in both games yeah. and low scoring, close games, both of us close games here. Yeah, and then two weeks from now, we'll see two of these four teams down in Miami. Mm-hmm. Tampa. Tampa. This year, this year, yeah, this year it's in Tampa. You are right. You're right. So we could see if the Bucks the, play at home. If the Bucks, if if the Bucks win, <clears throat> they, it could be could be oh, the first first right. time that that's ever happened. Momentum for Tom Brady to win a game there. All right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we'll, we'll agree on one, and we'll All split right, the other. So. That'll work. Sure. We'll come back next week and you can apologize for being wrong there. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll, I'll own it. I, I'm, I'm per, to be perfectly honest, I'm kind of surprised yeah. that Buffalo has done what they've done. Cause I figured, I figured, especially with as many of us picking them, it was like a guarantee that it's not going to happen. Cause whenever, <laughs> whenever prognosticators agree on something, you're right they're they're wrong so and obviously i mean if we go back and look at all the picks we made we're not no 
we're not anywhere near 100%. No. But yeah, we will we will see uh, For all you listening out we'll there, don't happens. go find your sports bookie and bet money on whatever we said because you probably won't be happy at the end <laughs> of it. Just start that out there. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, do not do not use our podcast as your justification for betting. <laughs> Please don't. Even $1. Don't don't do it. Well, with that, I think it's time to throw the checkered flag. David, well, you have any I read final earlier today that Tiger Woods had back surgery again to fix Murphy's lower back. So I hope he's able to make a full recovery because I love seeing Tiger Sunday in that red, and I would love to see him back out on the golf course. So I hope that's able to fix whatever the problem is, and he's back on the golf course fairly soon. I know he mm-hmm. works out like crazy, so I have no doubt he'll be rehabbing as soon as he's able to other thing even though i can't yeah. stand the saints being the panthers rival is sad to see drew Brees in the game on three interceptions so i hope there's something in him over the next week or two that maybe changes his mind comes back and has one more season just cause i'd hate for him as an all-time great to go out on such a low note on a personal level for him but if he does, he's had a great run. He's got yeah. you know a family at home to go spend time with, so he won't be missing much if he does decide to retire and spend time with them and do whatever else he loves to do in life. So that's what I got. Other than that, still got some college basketball going. Carolina, Carolina Tar Heels not doing the best yep. in the world, but hey, I'm still want to watch and cheer for him. So that's okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I am enjoying the fact that hockey is back. Um, it's been it was a pretty short, feel, probably like a pretty short off season. You know, same same with basketballs. It's weird. It's weird starting the year in mid January, but but it's good to have hockey back. Um, you know, disappointing that fans aren't allowed at most of the arenas yet. Um, I I was I was glad. Uh, that I saw, I think both the Lakers and the Lightning both decided that they're not going to raise their championship banners until fans can be back in the stadium um, to see that. Because uh, I, I read a nice a nice quote that said uh, something to the effect of, of trophies are for teams and rings are for players and banners are for fans. And it just doesn't feel right to raise a banner in an empty arena. So I, I appreciated seeing you know the lightning still celebrated it at, at their home opener but they they put the banner just hung it kind of basically in the, the stands and then they'll move it and have a, a full ceremony when when the time is right but uh but it's nice to have it back and the lightning off to a, a 2-0 start is is good um i am hopeful that the nhl can keep COVID under control. Um, you know, so far Dallas <laughs> hasn't played a game yet because they haven't gotten an outbreak under control. So the the Lightning were supposed to play Sunday night and tonight in Dallas, and both of those games got postponed because of COVID. And the Carolina Hurricanes now have an issue where their game tonight got postponed. Exactly. So yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's 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 like a <laughs> It's like the, a trigger where it reminds you of mm-hmm. when the NBA 
happened in March where it's like, please, please don't, please tell me that it's not just going to all shut down again. So, you know, fingers crossed that they, they have protocols in place to, to square that away and and get the season completed in a timely fashion. Cause I mean, hockey is just, it's a great sport. And I know, I know we don't talk about it a lot on this podcast, you know, football, especially in this country, football, basketball, baseball, they definitely take a front seat ahead of hockey. But uh, for anybody who's been to a hockey game, I think there are a lot of I fun. Think you would agree. It's it is it's just such a fun experience. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to watching some more hockey games. And obviously, you know, Sunday I will be planted on my couch watching some One quick NFC and AFC championships. I read right before the season started that there's – I think 156 straight days with NHL games, something of that nature. I think it's the first time we've had that many consecutive days in a season. Just because of the way season happened, and I, and I'm sure they're not every single day. There's yeah. national TV, but if you, I guess, have the right NHL package, you somebody can watch hockey every single day the next true four, five, six months. So, yeah, <laughs> lots yeah. of hockey. Coming. It's it's going to be crazy. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, I think we will wrap up this episode, season three, episode 21 of the Sports Talk Garage podcast. I am Mike, and on behalf of David, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to have your sports-related question or comment featured on the show, please email us at sportstalkgarage at gmail.com. Also, if you want to keep up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us on Twitter at sportsgaragepod. If you enjoy the show, please drop us a five-star review and subscribe if you want to hear more. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are the Sports Talk Garage.